It's after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Papa, do 
in the AM. Good morning and welcome to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world in the web, jmtheam.org. That is the um, uh, selection from Iron Teitelbaum and Company. Benny Friedman on the lead vocal with the dance set. That was released, when was that released? Pretty recently, I believe. The last few weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Shlomo and Ami Cohen before that with Nigun Chabad. You heard the Yeshiva Boys with the Nigun Medley. Why you Maccabees doing Shalashudas off Voices from the Heights? Safam with Sephardic tunes, including a uh, couple of real classics. Hope you enjoyed that uh, set uh, off of the greater scheme of things. Mehera done by Yaakov Shweki from Live in Israel 2. And Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this November the 14th, day 21 in the month of Mar Cheshvan. The year 5775, Tavshinai and Sara, which means that in the holy city of Hebron, they are less than two and a half hours away from candlelighting time and less than two and a half hours away from one of the most inspiring Shabbatot you could ever have. I regret not being there today, but it didn't work out this time around. Hopefully I'll have the privilege of doing it again, and I pray that everybody listening right now has the privilege of spending a Shabbat Chayi Sarah in the holy city of Hebron. Candle lighting at 4.18. 4.18 is candle lighting time on this era of Shabbos. 38 degrees, 82, yeah, 38, it's pretty cool. 82% humidity, winds are west at 5 miles per hour. Sunny today with a high temperature of 44 degrees. Then tonight, clear skies, low of 31. Then uh, tomorrow... Sunshine, high temperature 43. So it's cool, but we'll have a nice weekend, it looks like. 81 in Yerushalayim, and I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> our, uh, our forecast or our service that we, uh, get our temperature from always has Yerushalayim about 10 degrees warmer. Maybe it's wishful thinking. Than, uh, than what our listeners in Yerushalayim are telling us. Most of our listeners in Yerushalayim are telling us it's about 70 degrees. We have here that it's about 81 degrees, so I don't know. Whatever it is, it's pretty good if you like the warmer weather. Uh, 38 in Jersey City on a Friday at JM. They have Malcolm Honeline. I believe he's in Jerusalem. Speak with him an hour from now with the weekly update coming up, as is usual for us on Fridays. 
here at JMNAM. Great day on our stream all day long at jmnam.org, including an amazing Arab Shabbos music mix and so much more. Make sure to be tuned in. If you don't have the NSN app, make sure to install it on your phone so you can have access to everything all the time. Hey, why not? Who wouldn't want access to all of this great stuff all the time? And... Um, and um, a great programming on uh, on the weekend. We've got the uh, amazing Saturday Night Seagull starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday night. That's, of course, the uh, Avrami production. And then the Matis production is the amazing JM Sunday, 7 a.m. Eastern Time this coming Sunday morning for two hours on our stream at jmnam.org. Make sure to be tuned in. Lots of great stuff, even on the weekend. Don't forget that Court Report is brand new. If you want to know what's happening in the Yeshiva League, Court Report is brand new. Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time with Elliot Weiselberg. Make sure to tune in for that as well. Simcha Liner is next. This is JM in the AM.
From a brand new CD, Vahavienu, volume number four. Could you imagine? They're up to volume number four already. That's some brand new here at JM in the AM. Before that, the um, Simcha Liner set entitled First Dance. You'll find it on YouTube. That is a great wedding medley here at JM in the AM. Candle lighting at 418 on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Chaye Sarah, five minutes away from our news from Israel, which is coming up. We'll do that in a uh, in a few minutes from now. Uh, Malcolm Holmline is in Jerusalem. He'll join us, 740, weekly update, go through some of the events of this week. Lots of stuff to talk about, that's for sure. Sunshine today with a high temperature of 44. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, Parshas Chaye Sarah. Nothing in the world like being in Hebron for this holy and amazing Shabbos. Big shout out to those who are in Hebron this Shabbat, especially from our area here in the New Jersey, New York area. A lot of people pick up. They go for a few days. Some people are uh, going and meeting students who are in Israel, all convening, all meeting in Hebron. It's pretty amazing, frankly. JM in the AM, brand new, Shlomo Katz. Shabbos, <laughs> 
The title track to Shlomo Katz's brand new CD entitled Likrat Shabbat, a great Shlomo Kalbach tune. 7 o'clock in the morning on a Friday. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. We're going to get a chance later on in the 8 o'clock hour to speak with Naomi Nachman. And Seth Levitt, uh, Naomi was actually recording today's Table for Two in the A&H booth at Kosher Fest. And uh, we'll talk about that whole experience and what to expect between 9 and 10.30 this morning on the stream at jmandam.org. That'll be coming up. Malcolm Honline is in Jerusalem. About 40 minutes from now, we'll connect and start speaking about the events of the week here at JM and the AM during the weekly update. <laughs> Golly, it's all in the background. News from Israel is coming up. Do our news from Israel and then continue with more coming up here at JM in the AM. Want to thank those who are commenting on the NSN app. Thank you, PC Guy. PC Guy in Jerusalem gave us an update regarding the weather. Says it's 72 degrees there in Jerusalem. So, seems as if the uh, weather services based in Israel are more accurate than the ones based here. <laughs> At least when it comes to Jerusalem. Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next to Jan there. Galei Tzal, Asha'a 2, Kan Shibel Karmi Mansur, in Mashekore Achshav. עימותים בין פלסטינים לכוחות הביטחון בחברון, כתבנו ענבל תמיר. 300 פלסטינים התעמתו עם כוח צה"ל באזור מחסום בית המרקחת בעיר, בית צה"ל אומרים כי המפגינים ידעו אבנים והשליחו צמיגים בוערים לעבר הכוח, שהשיב באמצעים לפיזור הפגנות ובירי רוגר, וכי פגיעה באחד המפגינים. מוקדם יותר כ-200 פלסטינים הפגינו באזור כיכר חיזמה, סמוך לירושלים, וחסמו את התנועה במקום. כוח צה"ל פיזר אותם תוך שימוש באמצעים לפיזור הפגנות. במקביל, בעקבות מות הצעיר הערבי מירי שוטרים, השר אהרונוביץ' הגיע הבוקר לכפר קנה ושוחח עם מפקדי הגזרה הצפונית במשטרה. כתבתנו הדס שטייף. 
השר לביטחון הפנים יצחק אהרונוביץ' הגיע הבוקר לפגוש את קציני ושוטרי המחוז הצפוני במשטרה. במהלך הערכת מצב שקיים ממפקד המחוז ניצב זוהר דביר, ביקש מהשוטרים להמשיך להפעיל נחישות מול המתפרעים במגזר הערבי, אבל תוך איפוק. קודם לכן נפגש השר עם ראש מועצת כפר כנא וסגנו, ודרש ממנו לקרוא לאיפוק ולהרגעת הרוחות. זאת על מנת להפסיק את העימותים ולהרגיע את השטח. הוסיף והדגיש שלא יאפשר הפרות סדר ופגיעה בשוטרים. נקבע מותו של ילד בן עשר שנפצע מפגיעת מכונית בשגב שלום. צוות של מגן דוד אדום העביר אותו במצב קשה עם פגיעת ראש לבית החולים סורוקה בבאר שבע, שם נקבע מותו. ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו רמי שני. אדם אחד נפצע בינוני ושלושה נוספים קל בתאונת דרכים חזיתית בכביש 85 בין צומת קדרים לעמיעד. כתבנו גיא ורון מוסר שהפצועים פונו לבית החולים זיו בצפת. שוודיה טוענת כי בידיה הוכחות ברורות כי צוללת זרה פלשה לשטחה בחודש שעבר. כתבנו עומר קדרון. ראש ממשלת שוודיה אמר כי קיבל דוח המצביע על ראיות מוצקות לכך שצוללת עוינת פלשה לשטח הימי של ארצו. בחודש שעבר פתח צבא שוודיה במבצע חיפוש נרחב אחרי הצוללת שהתקבל איתות ממנה, אך כלי השיט המסתורי הצליח להתחמק מסורות הצי השוודי. במערב האשימו את רוסיה בפלישה הימית, אך במוסקבה הכרישו את הדיווחים כי מדובר בצוללת רוסית. אצלנו תחזית מזג האוויר, היום עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות ומחר התקררות. תזכורת לנוסעים לחו"ל, כל הטיסות הבינלאומיות המתוכננות להמריא היום מנתב"ג תצאנה מטרמינל 1 הישן ולא מטרמינל 3 כרגיל. הסיבה היא המשך הבדיקות למערכת החדשה לבידוק מזוודות בנתב"ג. ולסיום, נשיא המדינה ראובן ריבלין שוחח היום עם מאמן נבחרת ישראל בכדורגל לקראת המשחק הביתי הראשון של הנבחרת במוקדמות אליפות אירופה. כתבנו שמואל מוניץ. בשיחתם אמר הנשיא ריבלין לאלי גוטמן, בנבחרת ישראל גם היריבים הופכים לשותפים למען מטרה אחת. גם זהבי וורמוט שרק לפני זמן קצר נראו רחוקים כל כך, עכשיו משחקים יחד כתף אל כתף. הנשיא הוסיף, עלינו להבטיח שנראה בפניה של הנבחרת דוגמה ומקור גאווה לעם כולו. אלה החדשות שעורכת טל יחזקאלי בצוות לי עמרם אילת ואבי כהן.
Wir danken dir in Leben, dir heilige Beure. Wurst die hast gegeben, die heilige Teure. Denn aus Sonne lohnt du teure Asemes, teure Asemes. Wir danken dir in Leben, dir heilige Beure. Wurst die hast gegeben, die heilige Teure. Denn aus Sonne lohnt du teure Asemes, teure Asemes. Jedisch hab es keudes Kuntum geht abweg und von jedische zu reisen nicht als nicht keine Rübelscheid zwei tausend Jahren und ihr weht in Haus freig ich bei Gott in you, oh, er wusst, wenn sein der Sohn. In die Schule, ich bin ganz dunkel, mir kann kein Mord mein Vater, ja, ich tue dort bei Moment ganz allein. Mich in mich dem Ja, 
Jüdisch geht dann weg, die Wacht soll kommen zu gesunden Leben. Und alle Zuristen sollen nehmen ab weg, wir sollen gerne Gott leben.
Jam in the AM. I don't know why, I just have a feeling that that song is going to be sung this weekend in Chevron. No, no, I mean, there's no, no specific reason why it should be. Just, I don't know. Seems when people gather and, uh, are in the, um, amazing holy city of Chevron, Vachaye Sarah, some of those great, amazing Nigunim come out, and, uh, I think that's going to be one of them. Uh, JM and the AM, that's Yehuda Green, of course, with Hashivenu. Simcha Liner with Pischili, it's his title track. Yanki Lemmer, great Shabbos album entitled It Is Shabbos with the Shabbos Kodesh. Selection here at JM in the AM. 21 minutes after 7 o'clock. We're going to get to our weekly update at about 7.40 this morning here at JM in the AM on this era of Shabbos Parshas Chaye Sarah. There's a lot going on. Lots of people in Chevron enjoying a Friday Erev Shabbat Chaye Sarah. Wish I could be there. If you, if you, if you have never experienced it, try to do it once. Try to do it at least once. Candle lighting at 418. In Israel, candle lighting is at 4, so you'd have to call your uh, friends and relatives before 9 o'clock uh, Eastern time. The Impact Israel event, which we spoke about yesterday on the air, is Sunday at Convene in Midtown Manhattan, 733rd Avenue in New York City. This coming Sunday, starting at 1230 until 5 o'clock, you'll have an opportunity to meet some incredible people who have made Aliyah and our um, Olim, who are making an impact in Israel. There'll be discussions with experts on thriving professionally in Israel. There'll be discussion about Aliyah benefits, college in Israel, life in the IDF. You'll meet lone soldiers. You could explore your options for a free master's degree, meet some entrepreneurs, and plenty more. It's happening Sunday, 1230 until 5 at Convene, 733rd Avenue in New York, nbn.org.il. Slash impact. That's nbn.org.il slash impact. Also wanted to thank Jonathan Greenstein, who was with us uh, yesterday. If you've never heard one of my conversations about, about antique Judaica, they are usually fun. And yesterday was particularly fun. And tomorrow night he's doing a, uh, an exhibition. This is not really antique Judaica. That, um, that auction happens on the 24th, but he'll be doing an exhibition tomorrow night. On Modernism in Judaica, a selection of important 20th century Jewish art, 8 p.m. tomorrow evening at 417 Central Avenue in Cedarhurst. That is a cool event. You'll see a lot of uh, modern artists and their take on Jewish life of the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years or so. So you can check that out and uh, get ready for that. Also, I'm told that um, our friends at Hafter have their open house this coming Sunday, I have to check if there are any other uh, schools in the quote-unquote uh, Yeshiva League community that have their open house this Sunday. But Hafter does for incoming ninth graders. It'll be this Sunday, and uh, you'll be able to head out there uh, in the Five Towns area uh, starting at 10 a.m., um, and they will uh, showcase all of uh, Hafter's uh, courses, extracurricular activities, student organizations, etc., uh, with an extravagant lunch for their guests. Hafter High School is 635 Central Avenue in Cedarhurst. Their open houses is coming Sunday. And kudos to all the schools. A lot of them have put on some great open houses uh, over the last few weeks and uh, have really been um, have really been uh, attracting a great crop of students, uh, which we can be so proud of. Information out there is 516-569-3807, 25 minutes after 7 o'clock. Good morning. It's JM in the AM, and this is 8 Tan Cats.
Shav Band, brand new, Shalom Aleichem, off of their Shabbat Volume 1 CD. Zeh Hashem from the brand new Vavienu Volume Number 4, before that, that just came out this week. Eitan Katz had Lachad Odi. 7.36, coming up, Malcolm Honlein will join us from Jerusalem. We'll do the weekly update. Reminder, tonight is the Kalbach Kabbalat Shabbat at the Young Israel of Midwood. Young Israel of Midwood with the Kalbach Kabbalat Shabbat that happens later Tonight, they'll start Mincha at 4.31 Eastern Time, <laughs> Brooklyn Time. Uh, main Sanctuary at 1694 Ocean Avenue, corner of Avenue L. Again, that is uh, tonight for the Kalbach Shabbos, Young Israel of Midwood. You can check that out. The uh, night out for Chesed 24-7 at uh, Congregation Keter Torah, Romer Avenue in Teaneck, 7.30 tomorrow night. Information, go to 24-7, chesed, 247.org, chesed, 247.org. Want to again wish a mazel tov to the honorees at the Amuna Benefit Dinner for tomorrow night at the Sheraton. They have an incredible dinner planned as usual. It's always very inspiring. Amuna.org or 212-564-9045. Uh, Talmud Torah Flatbush, Congregation Talmud Torah Flatbush, has uh, Rabbi Dr. Jacob J. Schachter tomorrow night at 8 p.m. in their lecture series on the topic of American Jury and the Challenges of Choice from the 18th Century to Contemporary Times. 8 o'clock tomorrow night at 1305 Coney Island Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, that's happening tomorrow evening. Um, Yeshiva University's open house is Sunday for women at Stern. The following Sunday for men up in Washington Heights. It was a pleasure having uh, President Richard Joel with us earlier in the week to discuss all that. Uh, there'll be a memorial in the memory of Rabbi Yitzchak Ring, a uh, dear son, brother, friend, lecturer, counselor to many, nutrition maven, and friend to all. Rabbi Yitzchak Ring, uh, his shloshim will be commemorated this coming Sunday, 2 p.m. at Congregation Ohel Moshe Labavitch, 849 Ocean Parkway in Brooklyn. Information at 718-437-0050, 718-437-0050. The PUA and Yeshiva University together are having their third annual conference on fertility, medicine, and halacha starting at 915 in the morning this coming Sunday at Fifth Avenue Synagogue. Um, free admission, call for information. PUA does remarkable work in this area. They're at 718-336-0603, 718-336-0603 for information on that. Destiny Foundation, Rai Barrel Wine, has their film premiere and dessert reception. Passing the Torch is the name this coming Sunday at the at Lincoln Center, the Bruno Walter Auditorium at 111 Amsterdam Avenue. JewishDestiny.com has the information, Jewish Destiny. 
dot com has uh, all the information on that. And don't forget, Ten Yad has their big auction. They do amazing work in the area of Achnasas Kala. They have a great performance for the ladies this coming Sunday. It's all happening at uh, the Razag Ballroom in uh, uh, on East New York Avenue in Brooklyn. The program begins at five. The uh, the big production at eight forty five, and the auction drawing at nine forty five. Go to tenyad.org. Go to tenyad.org for information about all of this. And yes, we did find the, uh, another, at least one other open house that's happening this coming Sunday. The Ray Kushner Yeshiva High School has their open house, 8:45 in the morning in Livingston, New Jersey. Information you can contact uh, jkha.org, jkha.org, and a big shout out to our friends at uh, the Ray Kushner Yeshiva High School. Malcolm Holmline from Israel, from Jerusalem, coming up with the weekly update and more. This is JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. on this Erev Shabbos, Parshas Chaye Sarah. Oh, what a Shabbos to be in the holy city of Hebron. And they're about an hour and 15 minutes away from starting that Shabbos. If you've never done it, try to get it onto your uh, priority list of being in Hebron, the holy city. On Shabbos Hebron. Weekly update in a moment. I want to remind you that the Destiny Foundation and the Young Israel of Flatbush present a conversation with Rabbi Beryl Wine and Malcolm Honline. Ooh, I am not the only one who has the privilege of discussing things with Malcolm Honline. In this case, on Wednesday night, it'll be Rabbi Beryl Wine. Uh, and that'll be at the Young Israel of Flatbush starting at 8 p.m., 1012 Avenue I in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, information about all of this, you can go to jewishdestiny.com, you can go to rabbiwine.com, you can call for information at 1-800-499-9346. If I remember correctly, from all of our nine days programming, that is 1-800-499-WEIN. So Malcolm Honline will be speaking with our Beryl Wine Wednesday night at the Young Israel of Flatbush. Malcolm Honline is one lucky man. For a variety of reasons, most immediately because he is in the holy city of Jerusalem. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend our incredible live stream at jmnam.org to all of their readers. If you'd like a comprehensive look through thousands of articles of what's happening in this amazing world of ours, go to JewishWorldReview.com. There are people who print out tens of articles on Erev Shabbos from that site. And again, we thank them. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us for the weekly update from the Holy City of Jerusalem. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, shalom, shalom. <laughs> I like that. You've adjusted well to that country, I see. <laughs> I adapt right away. That's very nice. Um, so many things to talk about. I want to start with this because uh, last week we started in Israel, then eventually got to what's happening with Iran, thought we'd do the opposite this time around. Uh, Iran, the U.S., and the European Union ended two days of high-level talks on Tehran's nuclear program on Monday with no immediate sign they had bridged gaps ahead of a November 24th deadline for an agreement. Now, I understand that this is what's being reported in the press. Often you know the inside word about what to expect. Is there anything you could tell us 10 days away from this deadline? Well, I think that the next deadline uh, after the meetings in Oman on November 10th uh, this week uh, will be the November 18th session. I think it will be in Vienna. And my guess will be that you won't, they won't reach an accord. I think the gaps really are still too big, and the Iranians read the willingness of the West to negotiate, as they have, as perhaps uh, an openness for them to be able to exploit, to gain more, that they will not give up enrichment, they will not give up and, and dismantle any of their facilities, which has to be seen as a primary requisite for a, a deal. So I think the likelihood is that we will see a, an extension of some sort, and as uh, one official said, it could be six weeks to six months. But I think uh, <clears throat> Congress will start moving on this. The the uh, on terms of uh, additional sanctions, there's a lot of anger because of the talk, the reports that the administration is looking to bypass Congress, 
while they can and the president can act and has the, the power to to take certain measures, uh, I think it would be unwise to bypass Congress where the feeling is running uh, very strong. The Russians even said that there may not be uh, it may not be possible to to reach a deal. And the French Foreign Minister I saw said that uh, there are key questions still to be resolved. So the overall um, atmosphere is one of uh, I think. Uh, doubting and uh, suspicion, and especially because the, the Iranians didn't let in the, uh, the delegation from the IEA, and especially the American, who was a bomb expert, at least on five occasions they kept refusing him access to, to, to come in, in, in entry and the delegation access to the facility. So as long as they continue to do that, you have no transparency. We don't certainly know what we don't know. We don't know what additional mm. facilities, and even if the facilities we know, we're not completely sure what what is going on. Is is there anybody doing the bidding of people like you who are completely outraged by all these extensions? Is there any you know is there any potent voice in the U.S. that's you know that that's noteworthy that is expressing their anger that that these extensions are exactly the opposite of what needs to be done? Well, I think that there are. Um, uh, quite a few voices, even in the media, but especially people like Senator Menendez, Lindsey Graham, others who have been speaking out regularly. There are members of the House, uh, Royce and Engel, and others who have been very vociferous um, at Deutsch. Uh, in fact, I would say across the board, both Republicans and Democrats in the House and in the Senate. And you know what? They, they just look at the facts. You look at, aside from the negotiations, which were supposed to be about dismantling Iran's nuclear program, and now seems to be about how long a breakout period it will take. Uh, but they look at what's happened in Yemen. They look at their role in Iraq. They look at their role in Syria, in in uh, Lebanon. It's destructive, and it's instructive in the sense that the Iranians have now become determinate forces in those countries. At the same time, their human rights record is abysmal, they put out yeah. figures that were already in the first half of 2014, over 400, I think 411 executions. That means one every three hours, every eight hours on average, 24-7 throughout the year. And it's, it's um, you know, it should be something that should people should find so repulsive. And we look at how they are, and especially it has minorities from religious and ethnic uh, groups, and they use both the physical torture, psychological torture, and they don't pay any price for it. Nobody holds them to account for it. The people in the region are very concerned. They're concerned by the letter that the president has sent, and that we understand there were four of them. Uh, responses by Khamenei that we don't know exactly, but it doesn't appear that he was very forthcoming. I think the president wanted to show that we've given them every uh, opportunity to demonstrate that they really want to be a partner or really are prepared to take some steps. They are not, and they continue to support terrorism. They um, they are, are working uh, to advance some of the terrorist operations that we see in Syria, et cetera, and uh, uh, arming uh, and training Shiite groups in Iraq who are more vicious even than al-Nusra uh, and, uh, and ISIS. So I think that the the um, role they played now that was exposed of, of uh, as as Iran itself admitted of building uh, Syrian missile production plants, uh, 
designed by Iran that they that missiles um, missile training and production capabilities were taught to in Gaza and Hezbollah. These are not insignificant because it gives right. you the full picture you, 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 of you, the you, danger posed by them. You said something very uh, n- something interesting about the, the the presidential potential presidential response. You mentioned the letters, and uh, obviously, I, I can't I can't imagine that uh, too many people. On, uh, you know, on the, on the stronger side of the issue, the anti-Iran issue, we're happy about that correspondence. But it, as much as you've just offered it as a possible analysis, do you think it's realistic that he was doing it as a final warning shot? Really wanted to put out there the the um, uh, statement to Iran that this is it. You know, we we've done everything. We've kept every end of the bargaining table on our end and you know if things don't materialize the way they're supposed to by November the 24th or whatever you know shortly afterwards uh that that this is it this is the final straw or is it very unlikely that that was the president's intention I, I don't know I, I offer it as one of the interpretations that's possible about what the president intended we don't know what was in the other four letters but we know that in dealing with a country like Iran, and especially with the, the supreme leader, who then sees this perhaps as weakness, not as, as strength and determination, uh, as the president may intend it to be to send messages that, you know, if you want us to work with you on ISIS, and remember, what we're doing to ISIS is benefiting uh, Iran. This is in their interest, given their alignments and their uh, interests. Is there, any, is, there, is there any stable government that it doesn't benefit when the U.S. goes up against ISIS and takes action, especially militarily, is there any, sta- assuming for a moment that we call every established government in the Middle East a stable government, is there any government that doesn't benefit from that? Yes, uh, Assad. Does not the benefit Assad from regime, it? We, we, we are strengthening the hands of uh, uh, of some of the other groups, the rebel groups, others. We, what we are also attacking, you know, uh, uh, the Khorasani, the others who are who are operating in, in these regions, but and, and the reason and the, out, and, but, the but and what people point out is that we're not attacking the the people Iran supports. Like we do not attack Syrian troops and do anything to set back Assad. We don't certainly don't endanger uh, the regime. The same thing is true in Iraq. So the, what they identified as their interest seems to be uh, then outside of the target range. Uh, what about this new unity? This uh, is it official that ISIS and Al Qaeda are now unified? Are now have now merged together? Are now going to stop fighting amongst themselves and go you know after their common enemies? These are all temporary arrangements. Their basic interests are not the same. IS has already declared the caliphate, which does not include the Al Qaeda. They were a breakaway. They were seen as even more extreme, but the. The, uh, I think that the goals today, the leadership uh, interests of the individuals, the egos, etc., it, it enables them to find a common grounds on particular in particular countries. It does not cross borders, so they may be working together in one country, but not working together uh, in another. And the uh, I think that the you know to to read too much into any of these reports about alignments. They shift every day, and in many ways, and I've talked about this on the air, about how all these rebel groups end up fighting each other right. rather than fighting the Syrians. They fight Assad, uh, you know, uh, they, the rebels versus ISIS or versus um, uh, the, the al-Nusra, al-Qaeda groups. 
it's impossible to map it. So if analysts declare that they are greater than the sum of their parts, that that's a little bit overblown. There's so much inner strife. There, there's so much uncommon ground that it, it, it would be it would be a rough analysis to try to prove that. Absolutely, but the, 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 and there are some very interesting comments even from the leaders of these groups to this effect. Yeah, interesting. So when they have these formal or somewhat informal ceremonies, you know, to to talk about and to establish their unity, it's simply what's best for this week for them. Do you remember in the old days when Egypt and Libya, in Egypt and Syria? And then Libya and Syria, and everybody right. used to have these joint governments. They, right. they would merge their governments. They would have the uh, joint uh, national unity, and et cetera. And it was always a sham. And I think that that's true here, too, that, that whatever front they put on, uh, it, the rebels we see in Syria, for instance, are fighting very on, on different fronts. You have rebels in the Golan, you have, in some cases, pushing al-Nusra out, in other cases, uh, cooperating. You have um, uh, different circumstances in virtually every place, and they and they are killing each other too. Yeah, unbelievable. Malcolm Honline in Jerusalem. Um, what do you think of the North Korean cooperation with the release of the detainees this week? It's cost, it's cost free virtually for them. We don't know what they got for it. They certainly are looking for goodwill. It took the heat off of them for what they've done with the missiles, firing missiles, and their continued um, progress on on their nuclear program. So I frankly don't see the... I'm glad they're home. I hope everybody who's being held hostage anywhere or uh, held in prisons uh, for, you know, on these trumped-up political charges will be released. But the the fact is that they stood to gain. They hoped in in the uh, international arena. So these so paid no price. And these gestures, in addition to the reputation, they do buy more time. There, there's a practical element to them. Well, in, in certain senses, yes. I mean, it's very hard to to go and attack or criticize when right. they just signed a de- made a deal and released uh, to people that you wanted. Uh, uh, that you wanted to get free. So the leader of North Korea is not as crazy as we think. Is a shrewder political leader than we think. What's the? We don't know what to think about him. Right. He disappeared for a long period. Because because the international media paints him as this crazy man. Yet you're describing a situation where he's got some diplomatic savvy in him. Well, we don't know if it's him or if it's other officials. We don't know the full role that he's playing. You know, he's he's reemerged in the last few days, but. Um, uh, it's hard to, to assess. Overall, we know that North Korea's trajectory has not been a positive one. Right. Malcolm Holmline with us from Jerusalem. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Another week where we've seen uh, attacks in Jerusalem. This time it's... Uh, uh, we, we've moved now from moving cars to knife attacks, Tel Aviv, the Gush area. You know what happened, and so many of our listeners, of course, are focused on the news and, and grieve together to, uh, to an extent when these things occur. Um, what do you say about the safety and security? We know what happened during the era of the bus bombings and how Israelis had to think twice about boarding buses and uh, the apprehension that they would send their kids out to buses. What about now, standing at rail stations or at intersections and wondering what might happen? 
Well, first of all, I think it's it's much quieter today. There were some incidents, uh, including Hebron, and minor uh, clashes. Um, but first, let me just preface that it was at Sharet Tzedek today to visit some of the uh, the wounded, including uh, Rabbi Glick, who I'm sleeping, but I met his parents, whom I knew 40 years ago when they lived in Brooklyn, and his condition has improved. There's still danger, but he's much better breathing on his own and, and seems to be on the right way, and a Druze uh, uh, officer. And it's really remarkable how upbeat, how determined, wanting to get back to work, and then his brothers and uh, as well. Uh, so it was very encouraging when you see the determination and the and the bravery of these people, and the uh, you know and people are very determined here not to succumb to the pressure. And uh, today the the, the uh, Temple Mount Arabai was open to all ages. Uh, they were expecting uh, trouble, but I think overall uh, it was pretty quiet. What they what is clear and it came out of the meeting in Jordan last night with Secretary Kerry and the Prime Minister King. I, I met the Prime Minister right before he went. You, you have extensive incitement that's ongoing from the PA, Palestinian Authority, including from Abbas, when he says you have to protect the, uh, the Temple Mount by all means against the assault, uh, painting uh, Israelis and Jews as somehow violating it, always denigrating any claim of the Jews, and that means Christians as well denying the biblical accounts and the, and the existence of the temples. Uh, it has become a focal point in, in, in this, but Israel has said they're not going to change the status quo, and yet that doesn't help, and, and we see the uh, Europeans and others all jumping on this, and they know that there's nothing more sensitive, the PA knows certainly, than uh, claiming that there's something violative going on at the Temple Mount or at our bias, um, and the... and, and Abbas himself and Fatah are instigating this, as is uh, Hamas, as is part of the uh, of the Muslim Brotherhood, the Islamic movement, uh, which is in 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 Israel, the, the uh, northern branch, which is very extreme and associated, as I pointed out, with the Muslim Brotherhood. So the, the, the number of attacks has sh- shot up over months, recent months. Mm-hmm. And you had six fatalities in a month. The government, I think, is determined not to let this happen. They cannot allow it to happen. Tourism suffers. Uh, people's lives suffer. Cast up all over the country, even though life in 99% of the country just goes on. Uh, with that in mind, <laughs> what is the security situation in places like Jerusalem and Tel Aviv? I mean, it has to be better than it was a couple of weeks ago, I hope. Uh you're asking uh, a very good question. <laughs> I mean, it's a ve- it's very hard to secure a people against drive over murderers. It, and and when you do a campaign where they talk about use vehicular attacks, and the world, and especially papers like the New York Times, then describes it. You know, Palestinians suspected. Well, who else? And and. Uh, doesn't mention, and in the accounts that I saw, talked about the sensitivity about the Temple Mount because of its sacredness to Muslims, and doesn't even mention the sacredness to Jews, yep. as I saw in another paper, and the the instigation that goes on, and the refusal to hold Abbas to account. He keeps saying, because he's better than the alternatives, uh, people say, but there's got to come a point where he is held to account. Others who, who engage in this kind of incitement, 
I think Israel demonstrated incredible restraint, maybe too much after the attacks on on the um, temple on the Mount of Olives on Ares 18. All these things have to be responded to right away because it just keeps spreading. They take advantage of any opportunity, and they are instigated to do it. And they can range around the country to have uh, these incidents. Thank God, it is it is much calmer. You can walk the streets. There's no uh, fear. There's no incidents you know that you encounter unless you're in a particular place where some event uh, may have occurred. Yeah, I, you mentioned incitement, and I got to give Miriam Wallach credit for pointing this out to me. If you look at these cartoons, the anti-Rabbi Glick cartoons, the cartoons that are encouraging uh, more drive over terrorist attacks, literally, in, you know, showing in cartoon form Israelis lying at the side of the road with with, with cars having just hit them. Uh, if you see, the, I don't know if you noticed this online, the Hug a Terrorist campaign. You know, which is absolutely outrageous. I mean, if you look at all this, it's not even, it's, it's not just incitement among those who are the most violent. It's these, these viral opinions and viral, um, uh, uh, statements that they make, whether in real or cartoon form, that are just flying around the world and people irresponsibly just keep spreading them all over the place. And, and I tell people who show me them, I tell them, why are you even putting this up? Why are you right. downloading that kind of an image? And, and there's there's more, you know, when you look at what Jordan has done, Jordan has started to prosecute uh, uh, IS recruits and recruiters in, in Jordan. They're focusing on the 7,000 mosques in Jordan. They're telling them about the messages that they're allowed to use because they understand what the price you'll pay. They're fortifying their borders. They, um, you know, they are protected on Israel's border and by Israel as well. But the, the uh, they're looking to, to alliances with the U.S. and uh, their air force has played a role in Iraq and elsewhere because it's in, in their self-interest. Nobody criticizes them for taking the steps necessary. Israel, which has demonstrated such uh, an outreach to so many people in the region, to helping others in the region, for which they get no credit. The media so distorts and is so ready to jump in the the measures that are being adopted by European legislatures, the talk of, of increased boycotts that the uh, that punish Palestinians because of, uh, and they're so stupid and counterproductive in in, uh, in in what they're seeking to do or what they're trying, the message they're trying to communicate. And there has to be a clear message that we won't tolerate, yeah. that we have to stop it, because I'm telling you that it's spreading, and we're going to see a bigger onslaught of these kind of campaigns against American companies yeah. who do business. And then you have the United Nations appointing a guy who has already drawn to investigate Israel, who's already drawn the conclusion that we're not going to let him in, which is the right thing. Why should you allow guys this team led by Shabbos when they've already said clearly what their con- what their uh, conclusions are going to be? Speaking of letting in, how many of the Americans who participate in the Hug a Terrorist campaign would allow those terrorists in their home tonight for dinner? I'd love to know. know? People, the level of absurdity is just crazy. Uh, Yes, absurdity can be crazy, folks. Less than an hour. Malcolm, less than an hour till candle lighting for you. Will you be able to read Yisrael Hayom tonight when you relax in Jerusalem? Or have they they banned that newspaper already from the uh, state of Israel? Well, it hasn't been bad. You know, there's legislation that is meant to address it, and this is a paper that Shel Nadelson has uh, underwritten, and, um, and, and it, so it's made available free, and because it is supportive of the government, and Netanyahu it became a target for others, and the, obviously the other newspapers, so people seeking to to um, 
take advantage of, of the opportunity to uh, limit what others would say is an attack on free press. And, and if, if uh, others have free magazines or free publications, are they going to be subjected to the same rules and restrictions that uh, are being threatened here? And it doesn't matter whether you like the paper, you don't like it, you don't like it, you don't read it. Uh, but it is made available, as you know, free, and it's become the largest circulation paper, which is easy when you're free. Do you have any and, idea? Uh, you have any idea what the Knesset vote was, uh, even approximately? Like, was it an overwhelming victory for those who want to ban it? It was a significant margin. It's unbelievable. I mean, look, I know that you can't. We've discussed this a million times in the last twenty years. You can't apply American standards of freedom of speech. You know, to Europe and Israel, it's very different. As, as, as similar as it seems, we know it's very different. But, but still, this, this, you know, your, your, your mouth had to have dropped when you heard about this legislative campaign to literally, literally legislate out a free newspaper from Israeli society. Exactly. <laughs> you agree? And, and the people who you would think would be the strongest voices to protect freedom of speech, freedom of access, uh, are the ones who are most strongly advocating uh, this move. But we, I mean, we've seen this in Israel before, obviously in other forums, Knesset, etc. But I just, I felt it was outrageous. I was surprised that that media here didn't pick up more on it. You know, in 2014, I would think that they would think that it's a very significant. So maybe it will become more significant. Well, as they we, don't also don't want free newspapers to become popular in, in other societies. And yeah, that's you know, true. They, they um, so they probably aren't very sympathetic to the uh, to, to to what the to the issue that's at stake. Here. Yeah, that's true. Self interest always. But you know what? You see so many of the issues that that get overlooked. You know, the human rights issues, almost no no uh, coverage. The beheadings that are taking place in Syria, in Lebanon, in other countries that they picked up from from uh, ISIS because ISIS used it as a tremendous recruiting tool and gets a thousand people a month that that uh, the um, that they create a, a board of inquiry into Israel beyond just beyond the one of Shabbos, which is the United Nations you have human rights council one you have UN headquarters uh, looking at an independent board of inquiry looking into to what's and and what is look what we're doing in every other part what every other country in the region is doing Nobody gets investigated. They're killing people. <laughs> Turkey, uh, the, the rise of extremism in, in Turkey. And you know how much I've talked about Yemen, and now this week for the first time we actually saw people taking note of what took place. But you know that a Zim boat was, was attacked by uh, pirates operating out of Somalia, which they've taken hundreds of ships uh, because they go to the Bab al-Mandab. Exactly what I said would be, you know, the, the, the straits, which now... Uh, Iran is encroaching on through their control of the Houthis, who are expanding their influence in Yemen, and they control the Straits of Hormuz from the from the other side. And these pirates who come with uh, arm ship, uh, arms and uh, call for reinforcements because there were Israeli security on the boat, and they actually were able to get away and turn back the attack. Hmm. And what was the reaction? Oh, they're going to get their way for the next time. They don't care. There's yeah, so many ships going true. through there. That's and, true. But what I'm saying yeah. is that you, you read about right. how many ships are sitting in ports that have been lost or, or, or hijacked, and their crews sometimes held for months. Right. Point well, not a word. Point well taken. It, these are not. It, it, one cannot even use the excuse that they're isolated episodes. As you're saying, it's one after the other. Exactly. Right. And, and you saw the case that came up that 200 veterans brought, U.S. veterans. 
about the money that, that uh, was transferred through Barclays, HSBC, Credit right. Suisse, Standard Charter, many others, alleging that the money moved by Iran, tens of millions of dollars, to, uh, to groups that target U.S. troops in Iraq. And they're filing a, a lawsuit now, which is very important. As you know, other groups have done it. Uh, this is the case against Arab Bank that uh, I try to discuss. This is what the flip side of what uh, of of their uh, attempts to use lawfare against America, Israel, democracies, threatening always to go to the International Criminal Court, which rejected, by the way, the uh, Marvin Mamura um, case. Right, we spoke about that. The Turkish uh, ship, which we talked about, but it's really significant. We've heard the reverberations just in the last couple of days hmm. about it. Unbelievable. Uh, have you circled January the 6th on your calendar? It seems that will be a significant day in Israeli politics. They're actually going to have the Likud committee elections. Um, is the prime minister going to win this easily? Well, that, that is actually interesting because there's much more talk here than, than I, I anticipated about possibilities of elections. I don't think anybody anticipates them very soon, but they are talking about next year. There are, there are people jockeying for positions. There are, um, uh, you know, a lot of reports. There's, there's stories of people dropping out of government, going into government. I, I spoke to several of them to see who, uh, or what, what is really happening. So some of them did it really on a personal basis for their own reasons. Some just burn out. But we see Gil, Gil Erdan now coming into the government, and Gil Sire went out, and uh, uh, he was slated to become ambassador to the United Nations from Israel. So now that search has to take place and starts again. So, and uh, and overall, there there are increasing tensions, I would say, between parties and within factions. So, if the Likud party goes to the polls in January, what's likely that right after the summer there's new elections in Israel? I would say, for, yeah, that in 2015 you will see an election, like somewhere from September, yeah, somewhere uh, from it September could be to November. From four or five. Well, it depends also on. You know, events. Right. Um, but people already, you know, the criticisms, the, the, the fight between the Shabak and the IDF, these are really unseeming. It should not be tolerated, certainly not public. Right. And, well, that's uh, the reason I bring it up is because, you know, I'm not that there's ever a good time for elections in Israel, but I don't know. Now it just seems like this is the wrong time. If anything, we need as much stability as possible and not what campaigns generally do to Israel. I would agree, and especially after this summer when we saw such tremendous unity. I don't see any real coalition against Netanyahu. Probably Lieberman will run independently. Um, the question is whether there will be mergers of some of the parties. Will uh, you know the leadership uh, stay the same in Labor or many of the other parties that uh, you know have had primaries, will have primaries, and will be discussing you know their future role. But Yes. None of the polls show that clear victory for anybody, and uh, Bibi still, I think, remains the most popular political leader. Finally, the New York Times this week described it as a leaderless Palestinian revolt. Now, we know what they mean. You know, there's no address to this type of terrorism, all these random attacks that are unfortunately taking the lives of so many people, or whatever number it is, obviously, is significant. Um, is this different in any way 
than the leaderless Palestinian revolts, you know, during Intifada 1, Intifada 2. I know you keep telling us, rightfully so, that the address for this one is the PA and that PA leadership is inciting it, etc. So, so is it in fact a leaderless Palestinian revolt or not? Well, it's also Hamas, and, and but remember, the Hamas and the PA have a, a joint regime. Right. The uh, it, it, leaderless in the sense that there isn't an, a central core place, somebody giving the orders. But we've certainly seen the pattern of incitement that I mentioned before, and it's the reason I, I mentioned it for exactly what you're highlighting. The, um, the the attacks do not appear to be coordinated. But certainly the message about the Hegeler attacks, the message about uh, stabbing the attacks on the on the uh, light railroad, which is not that a good portion of the cars of it, these are not just spontaneous. Yeah, but I'm a- I'm asking from a different angle. In other words, we, you know, who who worry constantly about the the citizens of Israel, rightfully so. Uh, so we saw eventually during the era of bus bombing, Israel was able to secure things to the point where, thank God. You know, that whole thing, you know, essentially it, uh, it ended. Security was able to be built and be good enough to stop it. Is it possible, if in fact that this is leaderless and random, is it possible for Israeli security to deal with it in an efficient fashion? I do think so. I've spoken to security people and police and others. I do believe that they're capable uh, of dealing with it. They have to be willing to withstand some of the criticism. There has to be, I think, more foresight in anticipating uh, some of the uh, developments that that have occurred, that you can't, you know, once they start attacking the light railroad, if you don't stop it, it's just going to spread because they know that it, you know, it strikes a chord, and especially when you have violence in, around the, the uh, Harabais, the Temple Mount, and, and other sensitive areas. But yes, I do believe you can do much more. Can you prevent everything? No. Can you stop, uh, you know, some of the stone throwing that, that to to a full degree? No, but arrest the parents when they're kids. Hold people for serious account. The legislation to to stop the the freeing of prisoners because look at who carried out the attack, guys. One of whom was re- involved in two prisoner releases. One by Sharoni was released, and one in the Gilad Shalit. That's uh, right. I forgot to mention that's so important, so important. That this is one of the things you always warn about. These guys getting back in the field and uh, you know and and um, and spreading terrorism again. And sure and, enough, and of course, when we look at the the, the threat from the uh, ISIS guys yeah. who, who who are coming back, and uh, you see the recruitment numbers and the training that's going on. Is another thing you know Iran can play a role in all of this, but very little holding account for, for them uh, trying to undermine regimes and, and stimulating the, the terrorism, as is ISIS and, and others. And there has to be, I mean, really strong uh, policies about this if we want to really stop it and stop the danger to citizens everywhere. I think people in our community are getting more and more uh, tense about these issues. I don't know. They shouldn't be tense. They have to be alert. They have to make sure our institutions are protected. We have to press our, our governments to, to take the steps necessary to watch our borders, to watch uh, our, uh, to enhance the police capabilities, to see to it that that the, the countries that in which these are taking place take responsibility for what goes on there or pay a price. The the you know these things spread. These are cancers that spread globally and endanger more and more. And the 
you know, the, and when a country like Russia wants to sell two nuclear reactors, which is not bad because they, you know they get paid for it, but <laughs> they uh, also enrich the uranium, take the spent the rods and. Uh, reprocess them uh, in in Russia, but they're talking about six more. We're going to be seeing you know other countries then rushing into it. The the free flow of arms, and and then when when events like Yemen or or what's going on in Lebanon today, and the international community just washes its hands of it, and and all the parties that should be there defending uh, the people and the the countries that we hear from. Who feel themselves under siege and feel that the West completely ignores them? Yeah, that's what true. incentive is there then for them to to take the risk and to stand up? You know, Samantha Power, Ambassador Power, the U.S. Ambassador to UN, pointed out that this OSCE conference on anti-Semitism about the fact that a third less leaders from Europe even came at a time when you have such a sharp increase in anti-Semitism, and she really laid down the law with about holding them to account. For, for what goes on. This is only one of the symptoms, one of the things. Look how quickly they condemn, they can arouse the whole international community against Israel for defending its citizens and doing what it should be doing. And yet when it comes to speaking out against the, some of these BDS campaigns against... Not a word, right. Anti-Semitism. Unbelievable. Uh, Malcolm, uh, very quickly, last week you mentioned uh, a whole list of holy sites in different areas of the Middle East, that, Jewish holy sites that continue to be destroyed or defaced. Is, is there anybody who's written extensively on this somewhere on the web or anything you could point to that you've seen where people can get a better perspective? Because a lot of the listeners of this show uh, were shocked to hear what you said on that topic last week. And we saw more of it. And, and it's, by the way, not just Jewish sites, it's Christian right, sites. Right, you had mentioned well, both. Right. Even Muslim holy sites, you know, the Shiites don't tolerate um, uh, mausoleums or, or uh, graves, and they they desecrate. Uh, so is anyone out Shiite, there? Uh, Sunni sites as well, but there are articles. There are uh, um, some reports that have been written about the extensive damage. There were uh, some newspaper accounts where they tried to aggregate uh, the incidents of the well-known sites, the sites of of the prophets of others uh, that have come under. Uh, Assisted siege, and you know the rush. The Iranians, by the way, threatened to destroy the graves, the site of of the graves of uh, Mordechai and Esther, right. and uh, many others. So it, it, this is a thing that spreads, and it, and and they know that it hurts people. All right, so it's out there, or as we say in the vernacular now, I guess it's searchable. Um, don't forget Wednesday night, Malcolm will be back from Jerusalem. He'll be at the Young Israel of Flatbush. With Rabbi Beryl Wine, that starts at 8 p.m. this coming Wednesday evening in Flatbush, Brooklyn. Enjoy Jerusalem, Mr. Honline, and have a wonderful Shabbos. I'll thank you all at the Kotel and wish you all a good Shabbos. And, uh, that it, we pray that it'll be a safe Shabbos, and, uh, especially being Chayasara Amen. That's right. A lot of people in Hebron, they should have a safe and wonderful time. It is an incredible time there. This Shabbos, I miss it already. Uh, JM and the M Friday morning, Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. And we take this opportunity to wish a Mazel Tov to Rabbi Uden and the entire family on the Bar Mitzvah of Yisrael Rothwax. That is a grandson to the Udins. We say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good to have Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Chayi Sarah.
Parshas Chayisara with its 105 psukim conveniently can be broken down into three sections. The first 20 psukim deal with the acquisition of a burial place for Sarah. Even though God told Avraham on more than one occasion, this land is your land, now that the time came to bury Sarah, not only does he have to pay to acquire her grave, but he pays an exorbitant amount of money. And indeed, our rabbis point to this. Some actually say this is the tenth test that Avraham experienced, not complaining when he had to pay for his own land. And in addition, the idea is that we learn from here, so very important, the concept of Kever Yisrael, namely, that a Jew is to be buried in a Jewish cemetery. After all, the local people are offering Avraham b'mevchar kvarenu. You can have the choicest plot available in our cemetery. And Avraham teaches us that unlike those that might have thought, what's the difference where you're buried after you die? Being buried in the ground is being buried in the ground. No. The Torah teaches us through these 20 verses with Avraham and his negotiation with Ephron and B'nai Ches, the importance of Kever Yisrael, a Jew being buried in a Jewish cemetery. Parenthetically, it's important to reiterate that burial, in accordance with Jewish law, means burial in the ground and not above ground burial. The next 67 psukim deal with the acquisition of a wife for Yitzchak. And finally, the last 18 verses deal with the passing of Avram and his being buried by Yitzchak and Ishmael. I'd like to focus on an interesting aspect of the middle section, the acquisition of a bride for Yitzchak. Now, Rashi, on verse 42 in chapter 24, cites a very significant teaching of Rabbi Acha. Rabbi Acha tuat, Yofe, Sichas and Shel Avdeyavos, Lifnei HaMokom, Mitorosan Shel Banim, meaning that the conversation and the talk of the servant of the Avos, Eliezer, the servant of Avraham, is more pleasing before Hashem than the Torah of their descendants. Proof? Shari Parsha Shil Eliezer, the story of Eliezer's acquisition of a wife for Yitzchak, 
is written twice in the Torah. First when it happens, and then it's repeated a second time when Eliezer gives it over to her family. The Harbei Gufei Torah, while many essential laws in the Torah, Lunitnu Eleber Misa, are given only by illusion. I'll give you a few examples. Please God, tonight we are all going to recite Kiddush over a cup of wine. If one doesn't drink wine, you could make Kiddush over Chalah. Now watch. What's the source of making Kiddush tonight? The fourth commandment, which reads, Zohar es Yom HaShabbos Lekadsho. Translated, it means remember the Shabbos to sanctify it. Now, wait a minute. What does the word Zohar mean? To remember? So what should happen tonight? We should all come to the table and a concept which is not a Jewish concept, we should say, everybody please, a moment of silence, and please everybody remember Shabbos. Think about Shabbos, remember Shabbos. That's not what we do. We articulate, we recite a bracha. How do you know that that is what the word Zachor means? The word Zachor, from Zikoron, memory, is to remember. The answer, my friends, is... A Gzerashava, a common phraseology. In the fifth book of the Torah, the Torah says, Zohar, remember that which Amalek did to you. Now there too you could say that the remembrance is in the mind. Comes along the last two words of that paragraph, and it says, Lo tishkach, don't forget. So the Torah doesn't have to write, remember and don't forget. So the rabbis therefore say that the last two words, Lotishkach, refers to Balev, within your heart and mind, and Zohar is Bapeh. Literally, you have to enunciate and verbalize that which Amalek did to us. Ah, just as the word Zohar regarding Amalek means to articulate, similarly, Zohar in the fourth commandment teaches us that we are to articulate tonight and recite Kiddush. Amazing! This biblical mitzvah is not explicit. We learn it out from a commonality of words. Gentlemen, how do you know that tefillin is to be worn on your weaker hand? No question. You look at the last verse in Parshas Bo, and the Torah says that tefillin are to be placed al yodcha. Ask any yeshiva child, seven, eight years old, how do you spell the word yodcha? And they'll tell you, yud, dalid, final chaf. In reality, the Torah spells it not with three letters, but with four letters, yud, dalid, Chavhei. The, the Gemara in Menachos therefore says we learn from this unusual spelling that indeed the four letters can be broken up into Yad, your hand, Keha, weaker. Amazing! Such an important principle is learned from a extra letter, namely Chavhei, as opposed to final Chav. I can give many more examples. One more. It wasn't that long ago that we celebrated the Yom Tov of Sukkos. 
Yes, I recommend four walls for the sukkah, more warmth, privacy, etc. How does one know that if you only have three walls, that is satisfactory? And the answer, my friends, is, listen carefully, the Torah spells the word basukos the first time completely chaser, without any vubs whatsoever. So as the word itself is chaser, lacking, so too the sukkah itself can be lacking. So what do we find? Many laws in the Torah are written so compact, concise, precise, and, oh my goodness, when it comes to the story of Eliezer by the well, and can I please have some water, and she'll say yes, and I'll give your camels, it's not only written once, it's written twice. What's going on here? Rav Shach Zechrono Levracha gives a beautiful understanding. He says the key word is sichoson, which means the conversation, which means that the Torah is teaching us. There's a fundamental difference between how you teach law, L-A-W, and how you teach hashkafa, which is the beliefs that the Jew is to have, namely belief in God, belief in Hashkacha Pratis, divine providence, that he plays a role in the happenings in each and every one of our lives. When it comes to Halacha, the Gemara in Psachim 3b teaches, Leolam Yeshane Adam Letalmido, a person should always teach his student Bederech Tzara in a short, abbreviated way that the child, the student, will remember clearly. Mode Biknas Potter, Mode Bemiktsas Chayev Shvua. We teach and give over principles of law in a very concise, precise way. However, when it comes to teaching the philosophy of life, that there's a God in this world, that He is involved in our lives, they are just the opposite. It's sikhasan. There, it is a mitzvah to elaborate. And that's why, again, what do we do on the night of the Pesach Seder? I know the story, and my Seder only has rabbis, in which case one would have thought that in a few moments you can just tell the story, let's get on with the meal. No. What do we say every year at the Pesach Seder? A few kulanu chachamim, kulanim nevonim, kulanim yodim esatorah. We know all of the Torah, still mitzvah lesaper. There's a mitzvah to tell the story. V'chol amar belesaper, and whoever tells the story more, right? Harezah meshubach, it is praiseworthy. Why? Because to internalize these values, one has to elaborate. And thus we find the following very interesting law in the third book of the Torah. There is a korban called the korban toda, a thanksgiving offering. A thanksgiving offering is a kachim kalim. It could be eaten anywhere in Yerushalayim. 
part by the Kohen, part by the Bailim, the, the owners. Now listen carefully. Usually Kachim Kalim, that is sanctity of a lesser nature, these offerings can be eaten for two days. This had to be eaten one day and one evening. And moreover, there were 40 loaves that accompany it. There was no way that someone can have the meat and the 40 loaves in one day by himself. And therefore, explains the Nitziv in his commentary, by definition, the Torah was saying, you come to Yerushalayim, and you stop people, and you say, are you in a state of Tara, purity? Come to me. Come to my party. And you invite many people, strangers, and what do you tell them? I brought a Thanksgiving offering. Why? Ah! And here's your chance to tell the story in detail of God's involvement in your life in a most personal way. And therefore, what is the very powerful lesson that emerges from Parshas Chayisara? Just as we see in the life of Eliezer, that at this moment it was so clear to him, may Hashem Yotzah Hadavar, literally, that this was the hand of God directing that which was taking place in his life, I strongly recommend that tonight around the Shabbos table, go around and say, how did you see Hashem in your life this week? How did you, Mom? How did you, Dad? How did you, brothers, sisters, guests around the table? What a powerful way of taking the concept of Parshas Chayesara and literally bringing it to life. And again, look at the Vilna Gaon. In his commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, it is so exact. In two, three, four words, he has an incredible ability to convey so much information. And in his commentary on Mishlei, wow, there he has pages and pages. Why? Because once again, in the Shulchan Arach, we are dealing with the exactitude of law. And in Mishlei, we are dealing with the concept of Jewish values. And values need to be internalized. And in order to internalize, one has to speak out these concepts in great detail. And therefore, I pray that each and every one of us is going to look at Parshas Chayisara, not just a vestige of the historical past. Yes, this is how Yitzchak gets Rivka for a wife, but no, on a much more personal level, take out the term Ho'eved from the Torah and put in your name instead. And just as, wow, Eved Avram was able to see the hand of God in his life, may we be privileged to see the hand of God in ours. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Brand new from Shlomo Katz, a Likrat Shabbat CD. It's called Bowie V'Shalom. A great Shlomo Kalbach selection, never recorded till this Shlomo Katz album. Arab Shabbos Parshas Chaye Sarah, with thoughts on the holy city of Hebron, where Shabbos starts about 19 minutes from now. Candle lighting in this area, 418. That'll be a while later. Few hours from now, 4:18 candle lighting time. That's right, earlier than you would suspect. Make sure you are where you need to be by 4:18 today. Well, coming up at nine o'clock, Naomi Nachman. She uh, did the uh, table for two program this week from Kosher Fest. <laughs> so there's nobody better to have on the air with a Kosher Fest report than Naomi. We heard a lot of things about how the show went. We'll try to uh, find out from her her perspective on being in that very, very hustle-bustle area. Seth Levitt, of course, of uh, Abel's and Hyman, uh, hosted the entire thing and had Naomi uh, in his booth on uh, Tuesday at uh, Kosher Fest. They're both with us live via telephone. Naomi Nachman, Aussie Gourmet, uh, welcome back to JM in the AM. Hi, Nachman. How are you? Hello, uh, everyone. Good morning. Hello, everyone. Nice to speak with you. That's Likewise. A, that's a pretty poor attempt at an Australian accent on my part. <laughs> you'll get there. You'll get there. Yeah, maybe one day. And Seth Levitt, of course, from Abel's and Hyman is with us via telephone as well. Seth, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good morning. Naomi, i got to ask you this off the bat. <laughs> what everybody was talking about is right as the show started, because our policy generally, and maybe in this case I would have made an exception, <laughs> but our policy generally is not to stop a recording as it's going on. We like doing things live on tape, you know, natural thing, let it progress, etc., etc. But apparently right at the beginning of the show, someone actually pelted you with some ball <laughs> that, that interrupted the proceedings that were going on there Tuesday. I think we did it all in one take. That was, oh, no, I know. I, I'm i saying even with that, you didn't have to stop. Yeah, no, no, we just played volleyball right back. <laughs> so they were so they weren't just coming over to admire and tell you how much they enjoy the show. They came over to actually harass you during the program as yeah, well. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. It was all in good fun. We had a blast. Naomi is very popular. People were coming over to her left and right. Everybody wanted to speak to her. It is unbelievable. And they all try to do it in the middle of a show. They don't realize how difficult that is. Right. I, I tried to wave to everyone and give a few <laughs> call-outs and shout-outs to my favorite food bloggers and foodies. So we got it all in, I think. You had an amazing lineup, by the way. I mean, anybody who's ever anybody, and I don't mean to insult anybody who wasn't there that day, but the, the entire world of kosher food and kosher cooking and kosher catering, it seems like you covered the whole gamut that day. Yeah, we tried to get a little cross-section of people that, you know, represent Abels and Hyman and that are foodies and really get the quality of Abels and Hyman products. They understand the whole kosher fest concept, and we kind of tied it all in together from cookbook authors, Paula Scheuer. Uh, we had Joey Bodner, main yeah. event. Did, yeah, did you see the whole bit with Joey thinking I was you? He's yeah. like, I'm, I'm going to be I, – I, he felt guilty talking to me and not to you. <laughs> It was hilarious. It's a good, it's a good routine. I like it. It was very funny. Joe Herleman from Royal Wine, Scott Fagan from Traditions, Paula Scheuer, cookbook author. She has a new cookbook coming out with Leia Shapira, Secrets of the Restaurant. So it was just. 
Jesse Blonder from CKCA, and of course Howie Clagsbrun from Gourmet Glut. It was an absolutely action-packed show. It's unbelievable. All of it is coming up starting at 9 o'clock, 15 minutes from now, between 9 and 10.30 this morning before our big Erev Shabbos music mix. You can catch it at jmtheam.org. And I do remind you, if you go to NahumSiegel.com, the video is already up, and Naomi is expecting a lot of people to check it out from around the world today and after today as well. Uh, Seth, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to stump you. I'll ask you this first, then I'll ask Naomi. So which one of your products would you toss into the chulin today? Of all the things you sell, which is the one that you'd be throwing into the chulin pot on an Arab Shabbos? My wife happened to have called me yesterday and yeah. said, Seth, please, because we're having company for Shabbos, she said, please bring home a chunk of pastrami. <gasps> To put in the chillin pot. And it goes right in. And it goes right in, and it sits, and the meat, basically, it just falls apart in the chillin I can only it's imagine. So much flavor. <laughs> Here's where I wish we made it for Thursday night chillin, because it sounds so good. Uh, and it sits there for hours. Naomi, what do you think? A good strategy, or would you toss something else into I the chillin? I love <laughs> putting pastrami and Abel's and Hyman's pastrami. I actually put it at the bottom of my chillin. That's the first thing that I put in, and then I put everything on top, and then I cook it with, you know, with all the seasonings and the water and things. But I like that way when you serve it, you take everything out, and, and it, 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 mine actually will hold together, and then I'll put it on a platter, and then slice it and bring it to the table with some of the Abel's and Hyman mustards. And then it's got pastrami with different mustards, and I serve some pickles also with it. So it's like a really cool, you know, a piece of meat that, flavors up the cholent, and you can still serve as a, almost like a roast, a mini roast that was cooked in cholent. So you would not make the mistake of tossing it in after all the other ingredients? No, I you... like mine at the bottom because I like to pull it out whole. Seth, is this a controversial uh, statement by Naomi? Or, or, or... It actually is because I like to keep the pastrami on top of the cholent because I like to snack and, you know, I like to pull a piece of pastrami out. Thank God we're arguing about this stuff. Naomi Nachman is with us 9 o'clock this morning right after JM in the AM. Next edition of Table for Two, a unique one. It was done from the Kosher Fest booth of Abel's and Hyman this past Tuesday, and you heard the lineup that Naomi had. A lot of people in the world of kosher food and wine and caterers all participated this past Tuesday. Uh, Seth, did you get the impression that it was a big national and international crowd that was coming by to visit you this past Tuesday? Yes, and you know what else I found? I found that there are a lot of kosher food bloggers out there. Uh. They are really, really educated and they uh, are interested in, in food and they're interested in educating people about food. I mean, you have Naomi, obviously, who does a terrific job with the uh, Table to, for Two show as well as uh, being the Aussie Gourmet, but uh, there are people like uh, Ali Bobka or and Busy in Brooklyn, all people that Naomi knows, and uh, they all came by the booth to say hello and, 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 and talk about uh, things that they're doing to promote kosher food. Uh, not just to kosher consumers, but to consumers everywhere. Naomi, is it growing? Are there even more than last year in terms of the bloggers? Oh, yeah, it grows by the week. By the week. It grows by the week. People who have a passion for food are starting to work out how to do the blogs. And, and even Facebook food groups like Kiss the Kosher Cook with Malky Hirsch. She's got an amazing Facebook following. It's a, it's a group. You kind of, it's a closed group. You kind of send her a request and she'll accept you in. And, you know, even that, like you post a picture of your dinner and you get 30 comments and it can be a blog or a Facebook group. It's just, it's, or Instagram group. It's just everyone's obsessed with food and, and, you know, the amount of 
and high good quality food. food that you're seeing at Kosher Fest is unbelievable. Unbelievable is right. You eat anywhere this week, or was too busy to go out to any restaurants, Naomi? Uh, I went to Esty Hanna with Ilan Kornblum and nice. Melinda Strauss uh, and his team. Uh, we went after uh, the first night of Kosher Fest. A bunch of us stayed over, so uh, we would be there two days in a row. Right. Um, and we didn't have to schlep from Long Island to Secaucus twice, so it was great. And we went out to eat at Esty Hanna in uh, Teaneck, and it was amazing. Their crispy beef, it was unreal. Everyone told me I had to try it, and I'd never had it, and I was blown away. So right. make sure you get to Esty Hanna in Teaneck. And, of course, I'm obsessed with Gothenburger. <laughs> You're still obsessed. Everybody knows. <laughs> Chicken and waffles. Unbelievable. I'll tell you, the lady knows her food, that's for sure. Pay careful attention, everybody, at 9 o'clock, just 10 minutes from now. Naomi from the A&H booth at Kosher Fest from this past Tuesday with a very uh, interesting and unique group of uh, guests. Uh, and, of course, you can see the video if you go to our homepage at NahumSiegel.com. It is a it is a fun show, stuff being hurled at uh, Naomi at all. It is a fun show that I think you'll, uh, especially if you're a fan of Table for Two in general, you'll love to see this uh, in uh, uh, on the uh, on the web on our homepage. Uh, Naomi, thank you. Continued Hatzlachat to you. Thank you very much. I've got the challah rising. It's time to start braiding. Wait a second. It's an early Shabbos. Is this too late for the challahs to rise? Is this fine? No, no. We've got plenty of time. We've you, got plenty of time. You know people... Like, you know, good six hours at least to go. You know people like me who don't cook or bake anything. We're always in a panic that something's about to blow up in the kitchen, you know. Yeah, no, no. It's all good. <laughs> I put it up at six in the morning so I could get have an early start today. <laughs> there you go. Seth Levitt from Abel's and Hybrid. Seth, thank you so much. I heard, heard it was a great experience, and I'm glad that everything worked out so well during Kosher Fest. It was really a lot of fun. Uh, I'd like to thank you. I'd also like to uh, remind your listening audience to like us on Facebook. Uh, check out our Instagram page. We're always having social giveaways. In fact, I think uh, in celebration of being on your show today, uh, we're going to select uh, one of the next ten people to like us on Facebook as a winner nice. of a pack of a box of assorted. Uh, A&H kosher provisions. There you go. So we're at 3,137. When we get to 3,147, we're going to have another winner. Seth, we appreciate that. You're always amazing. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Thank you. Thank you very much, and you too. The Aussie Gourmet is Naomi Nachman, Seth Levitt from A&H, and uh, the show is coming up at 9 a.m. this morning, and it's a lot of fun. Our reports were uh, were uh, beaming with uh, kosher food pride. Uh, once the show was completed this past Tuesday. More coming up. Here's Leviathan at JM in the AM.
JM in the AM. That's Leviathan. Want to give a shout out to those who are at the Aguda convention this weekend. Heard it was quite a day and night there yesterday. Enjoy Shabbat there. Shabbat Chaye Sarah about to start in Hebron. They're about five minutes away from candle lighting time. Got a note here about another open house happening Sunday. YBH in Passaic. YBH in Passaic has their open house is coming Sunday beginning at 8 p.m. Their early childhood department, boys and girls divisions. YBHillel.org. YBHillel.org for information on that. Thanks, everybody, who keeps us up to date on everything going on out there. Much appreciated. Candle lighting at uh, 418 on this era of Shabbos. Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami tomorrow night starting at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the stream, jmnam.org. Matis with JM Sunday this coming Sunday starting at uh, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in. Matis hosts JM Sunday each week on our stream at jmnam.org. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at jmnam.
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmdam.org. Wraps up a great week here at JMNAM. Thanks so much for tuning in. I've run me tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Eastern time on our stream at jmnam.org with Saturday Night Seagull. Mott this Sunday. Between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern Time with JM Sunday. We are back Monday morning right here, starting at 6 a.m. Don't forget, Elliot Weiselberg has Court Report. Court Report happens every Sunday night at 7 p.m. on our stream at jmnam.org. A fresh new edition this coming Sunday night with basketball, hockey, and everything Yeshiva League. Make sure to be tuned in. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend until uh, Monday morning. Alchem Siegel reminding you. Remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.